Hi everyone, this is Queen Mitchell again, back with another episode of Flakes, Fakes, and Foolishness, Abuse in the Church. Um, past week or so, I've come across something and I thought, this is something that needs to be discussed and we can talk about it. I was watching uh, Christian television and there was a individual on talking about Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit and and what's running rampant in the world. And I, I was amazed because he kept alluding to the Jezebel spirit and the women's movement and in the United States and around the world. And this was the Jezebel spirit. And he lumped in abortion. And and it was just a whole lot of stuff he said. And I, and I sat there kind of like on the edge because I was like, no, 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 no. And then a thought came to me. Listen to everything that he says and then go back to the word of God and research it. And so I want to encourage my listeners, it doesn't matter what I say or anybody says, listen to what said, write it down if you have to, and go back to the Bible and see what the Bible says regarding whatever it is you listen to. Let the word be the... the uh, the basis and the truth, truth guide or the, the, the sensor, the truth sensor to, to take you to the direction because Holy Spirit will lead you in the right direction. And then I, uh, after listening to the individual on Christian television, and by the way, I am a Christian. I know some people probably say I'm not, but I am. After listening to what he had to say, I decided to sit down and, and look at all the different aspects of what people believe about Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit and to see just exactly what it is. And I came across some interesting facts. I've only, I've got like, you know, a few issues that I, I wrote down, but I know there's more. And, uh, I think we're going to discuss some because this is part of being the foolishness in the church. And this is also something the Jezebel spirit is, is labeled on a lot of people because they may take a stand in a certain way and leadership sometimes doesn't want that stand. So therefore they label you as having a Jezebel spirit. Uh, one of the things that they say about an individual, they say, has a Jezebel spirit. They say that Jezebel was promiscuous. And when you look at the story of Jezebel in the Bible, and 1 Kings chapter 21, and even 1 Kings uh, chapter 22, you see where you have this individual whose father was a king. He was a the king of Sidon, his name was E-T-H-B-A-A-L-F-B-I-L. He was the king of Sidon. And so actually, uh, from what the historians believe in different records that of that time, it seems that King Ethbal was, prior to becoming king, he was uh, like a priest in the religion that they had. Baal religion, and so he was high priest of Baal, 
and there was an individual who was king prior to him that wasn't related to Ithbel, and Ithbel just went in and killed the man and assumed the position because he was the high priest of Baal. He was able to become king. He saw the crown, wanted the crown, wanted that position, so he killed the individual that was in there and took it. So then he raises his chai, his children up in this environment. And it's believed that Jezebel was a priestess of Baal. Even though she was a princess, she was also a priestess. She's being raised in this environment. And she's watching her father, who if he saw something he wanted, he just took it. Didn't care how he got it, what he had to do to get it, kill an individual that was standing in his way, whatever he needed to do, he just took it because felt like he deserved it. He wanted it. It's mine. So she grows up with this mindset. And according to historians, they believe that when she married King Ahab, she was around 14 years old when her father gave her to Ahab for a wife because her father was trying to unite it and put up a united front with certain kingdoms, and this was a way of doing it. So she's she ends up marrying this, this man, and she becomes queen. So keep in mind, she's watched what her father did, so she has this mindset. And so she marries Ahab, and from what the Bible says and what historians can come to and see, she was faithful to Ahab. She didn't have other men. She, There weren't, uh, you know, different men running in and out that she was having affairs with. She was faithful to Ahab. She was faithful to her religious belief of Baal, this false god. But she was also faithful to Ahab. And she relished her position as queen and all the pomp and standard and circumstance that went along with it. That's who she was. And so the first fallacy was the fact that, you know, she wasn't an older woman that married Ahab. She was a teenager. Secondly, uh, she wasn't promiscuous because Bible commentaries all will tell you that it appears that in any of the, in, the, in all the records, she was faithful to Ahab. She was centered on, on him, him being king to keep her queen. And so, uh, there was no, uh, she wasn't a seductress, it's like a lot of people believe. That was not, people say it was in the Bible. No, Jezebel was not a seductress. It was not mentioned that she was. There's nowhere to be found in First and First Kings chapter 21 or 22 that she was a seductress. And believe me, the Bible's very frank about the individuals in the Old Testament, who they were. The writers let you know, because that's the way the Holy Spirit led them to tell the truth. Uh, another fallacy is that Jezebel were, were read. There's nowhere in the scriptures or in his, in the historical accounts that Jezebel wore red. She dressed in queenly attire, her crown, her jewelry, whatever robes the queens wore in that day. So there's no mention of her wearing red. And I know a lot of times in the churches, people will say, if you got on a red dress, it used to be way back then, especially if you had red fingernails on, fingernail polish on, or red dresses or red shoes, you, were, you had the Jezebel spirit. No, Jezebel did not wear red. She wore what all the other queens wore. 
where uh, where Bathsheba, the, uh, that queen wore, or David's wives, she wore the same similar attire. Whatever they wore inside, she wore that. She relished that. The another belief was that uh, she was African or of black descent, and there's no proof of that either. It just says that she was a Phoenician princess, and her father was King Athbiel of Sidon. I keep in mind when King Ahab married her, he knew she was a Baal worshiper. Get that? He knew that. Ahab knew that, and he married her anyway. So Ahab straddled the fence on what to do, what, what was right to do and what was wrong to do. He married her anyway because he was a little spineless and missing him in, in some areas because he wanted to waver. And the other thing to keep in mind is that this young lady, Jezebel, was raised and trained to lead and to command. She was not trained to be a servant. She was tra trained to command, and she was probably being raised to be a high priestess. And that's another reason why her father sent her to Ahab, because he wanted that kingdom just like his kingdom. So the easiest way to do it, send his daughter who has been trained, knows her part, knows her position, to go in there, marry the king, and turn the nation in the direction that the king of Sidon wanted it to go. She lived a life of entitlement, and that's what people need to realize. The Jezebel spirit is a spirit of entitlement. I'm do it. You owe me. Uh, one time I was working in a particular place, and an individual came in, a teenager, and um, she was waiting to uh, be seen, and she'd been there all day long, and I remember telling another lady, I said, there's something different about the way she acts, you know? And uh, she made the statement. She walked up and told the lady at the, the desk, she said, I need nourishment. And when I heard that, I thought, oh my God. And the lady's like, well, you know, there's snacks machines right there if you want. She said, that's not sufficient nutrition for me. I need nourishment. You need to get me nourishment. And so the lady sitting there at the counter was like, oh, and I looked at her and I, and I said, well, there's a snack machine. You can go out there and there's change and they'll give you change and you can get what you want. And she sat down and slid the window back so she couldn't hear us. And the lady said, Wanda, I said, that kid's royalty. She came from money. She came from money. That's what I, they were like, no, I don't believe. I said, the way she just talked to you, they came from money. That's kind of the Jezebel spirit. I command, I demand, and you give me. And if you don't give me, I will take it from you. That's the Jezebel spirit. And that's sometimes what the, um, the church doesn't tell people. They use the fact that if a woman tells the truth or takes a stand and says something is wrong. Because right now I know there's somebody saying this woman, Queen Mitchell has a Jezebel spirit because she's speaking out. Because you speak out, they automatically label you as having a Jezebel spirit. Speaking up and speaking out is not a Jezebel spirit. Demanding stuff, whether it's do you or right, taking from people, 
demanding that people worship you. That's a Jezebel spirit. You read it, it's in the book. Now, in the book of Revelations, it talks about, uh, I think it's Revelations chapter 2, where he was talking to the churches, and in one particular incident, he's telling them the various things that they've gone through and what they have did, and then he tells this one church he has something against them because they, this prophetess that is there among them with this Jezebel spirit, and she seduced individuals into the sin, how God is displeased with that. And so people automatically assumed, oh, okay, well, Jezebel is a seductress because this woman seduced, you know, that he's saying in the book of Revelations. No, the prophetess in the book of Revelations that he's talking to and regarding the church, he's telling them this individual that prophetess seduced, but she had a Jezebel spirit where she's demanding, you give me, you do for me. And if you don't, then I'd excommunicate you. I kill you. I'll either kill your character. I'll, I'll kill, your, kill your name. I'll kill your influence. Do you see what I'm saying? And there are people in the church like that who, um, if you don't do what they want, if you don't worship them, then I will do what I have to do to ruin you so that you never do it. There are people in politics like that. Give me what I want. If you don't give me what I want, then I will lie on you. I will do whatever I have to do to kill your influence, to kill who you are, your character, and destroy you. That's the Jezebel spirit. It has nothing to do with red. It has nothing to do with the color of an individual's skin. It has nothing to do with being female. There are men walking around on the planet with the Jezebel spirit, literally. I've seen them, and as well as women. And it's because they feel like they should be worshipped. You should give them what you do without as long as I get what I want. Give me what I want. I will take from the poor and give to me the rich. That's the Jezebel spirit. And it's running rampant in the church. Uh, I just get amazed at some of the things that you hear and see on TV and in the news. And it's just like, really? 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 Okay. So this is the thing. This is the Jezebel spirit. A friend of mine and I were working on a book, Unmasking Jezebel, because uh, people need to realize that what the really the Jezebel spirit is. There was one incident in one church where um, I was with a group of ladies, and uh, we were, uh, it was a group that supported the pastor's wife. And uh, at the time, one lady was saying that. God had said to her, for us to buy them a meat order. I said, did the Lord tell you to buy a meat order, that we need to buy a meat order for the for the whole year? Or did God say, so what did he really tell you? And she said, well, the Lord said, meet the need. So, I mean, that means he needs a meat order. I said, what's the need we're supposed to meet? Do you know what that is? No, we just need to get a meat order. I said, we need to find out what the need is. And it wasn't long after that, that a day or two later, I get a call from the pastor's wife informing me that she was very upset with me because I did not want to support doing anything for them and that I was against her and them. And, and it just went on and on and on. And I said, excuse me? At the time, I... I I had some sickness and I told her, I said, did you realize I was dragging one leg 
when you saw me? She said, well, you were acting funny. I wasn't acting funny. I spoke to you, but did you see me? The way I was walking, I was dragging my leg because I, I hurt my leg. And she said, oh, no, I didn't notice that. I said, I find that amazing when you say God gives you discernment, but you didn't discern I was hurting. You didn't even notice the way I walked. You didn't even ask me how I felt. And you're calling me because I asked them to, can we find out what the need is we need to meet instead of getting a meat order? Maybe the meat order wasn't what you needed. And she was like, well, I, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. I resigned from the group. That way you can get somebody in there that will do what you want. And this is a lady that would periodically, if her husband didn't do what she wanted, she would threaten to leave pack up her stuff, put it in her car, hide her car and get in the closet and sit on the floor, make him think that she was gone. But this is the stuff she told me out of her own mouth. And I remember thinking, this is crazy. Just because you, he's not doing what you want in order to get him to do what you want, it's manipulation. The spirit of Jezebel is manipulation. There are people that will manipulate it with the next election and the past elections. Uh, people will get on TV, especially on Christian TV, and I'm going to say it. And they will say, if you don't vote a, certain, vote a certain way, you're cursed. If you don't vote a certain way, ministers are going to drop dead because you didn't vote this certain way. This is what God wants you to do. And all the time, they're knowing the individual they're trying to get in is trying to wreak havoc and chaos on the poor. So you can look at the end result. And that's what we have to do. On the poor and the sick and those in need, trying to take from the poor, mistreat the poor and everything. God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. That's what the word says. So if you see confusion and every evil work, it's not God. That's not a candidate for you. I'm just going to say that. I know somebody's going to get mad at me, but I don't care. That's not the will of God. God wants us to do what's right. I'll never forget um, in the election when Obama was first running, Anand got up and said that she was, after listening to the candidates and stuff, she said, I'm voting for Barack Obama. She said, I am pro-life. I am Anand. But pro-life just doesn't mean in the womb. It goes all the way to the grave. And this is the only candidate that wants to feed the poor clothe the naked, all the things Jesus said that we are to do. She said, and so on that reason alone, we nuns are supporting Barack Obama for president. I was, I mean, I was speechless. And I thought, you know what? She took it back to the Bible. She took it back to the word. That's what she did. It's not about discriminating against anyone. It's about helping. We as the church should help. And I'm going to be honest with you. Until the church gets rid of the Jezebel mindset that it has and leaderships in it, the Jezebel mindset, there's going to be a whole lot of foolishness happen. And the church is going to be judged. The Bible says in 1 Peter, the judgment must first begin at the house of God. And it's coming. It's coming. And it won't be because of anything else but what the church refused to deal with, their own sin. He said, if my people, the first Chronicles, will call by my name, but humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then would I hear from heaven, I would forgive their sin and heal their land. 
And by the way, when the time for the time has come, that judgment must must first begin at the house of God. That's in First Peter four and seventeen. We need God to heal our land, but the only way that can be done is if His people. The problem with the nation, the problem with the world, is the people of God. It's the church. Church has a whole nother mindset. Gimme, gimme, me, 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 me. He said he, if we seek his kingdom and his way of doing and being right, everything we need will be added unto us. But we got to seek the kingdom. And we haven't been. We've been seeking everything else. And therefore, uh, we have the problems that we have. And that scripture is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, is in St. Matthew 6 and 33. We've got to seek his kingdom, his way, the Amplified Bible version says his way of doing and being right. We got to do it God's way, not the world's way. And right now the church has been sleeping with the enemy. And I'm just going to be playing blunt. Christian TV has been sleeping with the enemy because there's an underlying factor. You cannot support racism. You cannot support cruelty to women. You cannot support cruelty to the poor. And then peddle all this fear because we're supposed to be a people of faith. And say you are walking the way God, because you're not. You're not walking the way God wants us to walk. You're not preaching and teaching the way God wants us to. What you're doing is is manipulation by fear, and destroying good character, people with good character, because you want them under your feet. See, the big battle right now is, and I've run across this. I was asked out of a Sunday school class one time, because they were talking about how we'd been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus being made a curse for us. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And uh, the individual said, well, you know, man has been redeemed, but woman hasn't. And I held up my hand and I said, yes, we have. The Bible says that we've all been redeemed. Galatians 3. 13 says that we've all been redeemed from the curse of the law. No, women have not been. And, and the Bible says, and he told her in, in, in Genesis chapter four, that the man would, would rule over her. That was, I said that was her curse. Man's curse was the ground. Yeah, but man's been redeemed from that. Man, man's hand's been redeemed from that. If man's hand has been redeemed from the curse of the ground, then woman has been redeemed from man ruling over her, which like I said, uh, the individual got so upset with me too. He told me I was messing with his Bible, his uh, Sunday school class and don't come back anymore. And uh, I was like, okay. It's Genesis chapter three is where it's found, where it talks about the curse and the fall. And he was like, because, you know, uh, 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 the woman was deceived. I said, the Bible says the woman was deceived, but the man wasn't. He had the greater sin. She had pain in childbirth, but she's been redeemed from that also. So it's if you read Genesis chapter 3, you'll see it. And if we start at verse uh, 9, the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. 
And then the Lord asked her, the Lord God said to her, woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. And notice she recognized the, the serpent was the deceptor. He deceived her and she ate it. So the Lord said to the serpent, curse are you above the livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And the woman, he said, I will make you pain, make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor. You'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And then to the man, he said, because you've listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree that about which I commanded you, you must not eat from curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and dust you will return. So if man's been redeemed from all of this curse, the ground and the thorns and the thistles and working with the sweat of his brow. And man has been redeemed for that. Woman has also been redeemed. The only individual that would not be redeemed would be the serpent, the deceiver. So God has freed us from this because of Christ's sacrifice. And that's what we have to look at. We have to look at that. Okay, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law because cursed is every man that hangs on the tree because of Jesus Christ hanging on the tree. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we have been redeemed. And that I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene when he arose because the serpent beguiled her and she did eat. The woman was deceived, but the man was in on the transgression because he knew better. God had told him already. He knew. He knew. He knew. And uh, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene to lift us up as women, to put us back in our rifle spot. And the problem is, and I'm going to be blunt, the problem is there are individuals out there who don't want women to walk in their space because if a woman walks upright the way God wants her to, with or without a man, walks upright, it will force the man in her life to have to shift and they will have to grow and walk upright too. The problem is men don't want to grow in the church. They want everything to stay the same. And you listen and you hear them, we wanted to go back to the way it was in the 1950s. We wanted to go back to where it was in 19, early 1900s because women were subservient and the men were dominating. They were rulers. They don't want women rule. Women can rule. The Bible said there's neither male or female. We're all one in Christ. We're all one. So God is, will use whomever. He used them in the New Old Testament. He used women in the New Testament. Don't let people think that he didn't because he did. Paul talked about his fellow laborers that were women in the Lord. So God uses female as well as males. And it's not based on your gender. It's based on your willingness and your heart and your faith to, to follow the directions he leads. And there's sometimes when there aren't women out there, when there aren't men out there, God will use a woman. I heard one pastor say about a month ago that uh, the reason why there weren't enough male doctors is because they're telling the men not to become doctors anymore. And I'm like, that's a lie. I know people who are physicians and I've seen residents and stuff. No, that's a lie. 
they're not telling them that. If there aren't enough male doctors, it's because people don't want to, males don't want to go into it. It's not that they're telling them not to. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And people need to quit. Pastors, you need to stop. Ministers, you need to stop. And quit being scared of women. Women are prayer warriors. They will work and labor right beside you. So if God calls a woman, encourage her. That means it's going to cause you to grow even the more too. And that's what we have to look for in the church is doing more growth. Uh, this is Cree Mitchell saying, I love you. Hit me up on my email, Mitchell 7 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you if you're enjoying the, the broadcast. And uh, I'll be praying for you. My prayer is right now, Father God, that you lift them up, that you encourage them. You open up their eyes to behold the truth of your word, Father, and guide their steps in the direction that you would have them to go. We thank you that they're blessed, down-sitting and uprising. Everything that they put their hands to, the, to is blessed according to your word. Father, we thank you for saving and healing and setting free. If there's someone listening who's not a Christian, Father, we ask that you touch them right now. Forgive them, Lord Jesus, of their sins. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is coming into their life right now and taking them in the direction that you would have them to go, saving them and filling them with your spirit. Father, we thank you for giving them new life in you. We bind any hurt, heart, or danger, hate, hurt, harm, or danger that would come against them now. And Father God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. We speak health, healing, and prosperity to you, spirit, soul, mind, will, and body. In Jesus' name. This is Cree Mitchell saying again, I love you. God bless you. Amen.